Welcome to The Working Therapist with Hayden Bolick, a podcast designed to help you grow more, do more, and be more as a therapist. The Working Therapist is an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. We're glad you've joined us for today's podcast. So here's your host, Hayden Bolick. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of The Working Therapist. I'm Hayden Bullock, your host, and today we are so fortunate to have Kim Hudson with us. I've been so excited about this, Kim. Thank you for being here. Kim is a teacher of the visually impaired. Yes. (laughs) But there's a much longer answer. Right. And so we are talking about vision, vision services, vision impairments, how you get services, what types of services there are, how those fit for different people, what Kim does, and how we got connected. I mean, it's no secret if you listen to any of these podcasts, I have a child who's visually impaired. She has aniridia. And Kim was literally a gift from God in our life, working with my daughter, and she's been working down for a couple of years. And so as I work with Kim, I'm like, oh my gosh, we got to tell people about this. <laughs> Wait a minute, we got to tell people about this and tell people about this and this and this. So I think really Kim's about the best thing since sliced bread. She's made a huge life-changing impact in my daughter and my life. And she's got too much stuff for me not to have her as a guest on this podcast. So thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Yep. So tell everybody a little bit about yourself, Kim, your background, what you do, how you got into this. Okay. So my name is Kim Hudson, and I specialize with children who are visually impaired. I am called a teacher of the visually impaired. That's pretty much the known title for what I do. Teacher of the blind and visually impaired or teacher of the visually impaired. And the acronym that we go by is TVI. Hmm. So I'll use that terminology here, TVI. So basically, I reach out and work with students in in school environments for the most part, helping them access their educational environment. Mm -hmm. So students who are identified as being visually impaired are the students I serve. They're typically in public schools, private schools, charter schools, sometimes they're homebound students. And I meet with students individually to meet their visual needs to access the educational curriculum or to become more independent. There's a lot that falls under the TVI umbrella of what we do. A whole lot. <laughs> in addition, I'm also an orientation and mobility specialist, and that is a service related to VI services. And it's about traveling safely, efficiently, and independently. And it's really specifically for students who are visually impaired. So I've been teaching for 18 years. I graduated from Florida State University. My degree is in visual disabilities is what it was called back then. But (laughs) they've changed it. They changed it. Thank goodness. The acronym wasn't too good. VD. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. TVI is much better. So currently we're called TVIs, but... At Florida State University, it's a degree from the College of Education with specialty Mm. in visual impairments. Mm. And Florida State is one of the universities in the country, but there are about 15 to 20 universities that offer this specialized training. Okay, you're a freshman at Florida State. How did you figure out you wanted to do this? Well, actually, I didn't know I wanted to do this until about two weeks before I graduated with my bachelor's degree. I had never even heard of the field before. I was taking a class for my minor in special education and learned about visual disabilities and about how intentionally everything had to be taught for a child who's visually impaired, especially a child who's blind. It's something I had never thought about before, and I was just absolutely intrigued. And it's one-on-one, you know, it's working directly with the individual, which appealed to me. So I actually just walked up to my professor after class and I said, it's a shame I finally found something that really interests me (laughs) and I'm graduating college. 
And at that time, I really didn't have a direction of what I was going to do upon graduating. I had a degree in psychology and was very young, 20 years old. And she said, well, why don't you stay and get a master's degree in visual disabilities and we'll pay for the whole thing. No way. And uh, I did some research and decided that that was an avenue worth pursuing. And still, to this day, you can get a degree to be a teacher of the visually impaired for free from universities around the country because it's considered a low incidence field. VI is a low incidence population among special education, but also among special education providers. There's so few people who do what we do, Mm -hmm. and it's so needed. Mm. However, there's kids out there who you know, are being unserved or underserved because there's not a TVI available for them in their area, especially kids who are in more rural places. Mm-hmm. You know, often they don't get the services that they need to achieve their full potential and to really access the educational curriculum. So it's something that is still being supported through grants, you know, in different university programs. And we're working hard at getting more people into the profession because it's so needed. So if you go to school to be a TVI teacher of the visually impaired, then does the orientation mobility specialist just come with that? No, that would be something that you would do in addition Mm -hmm. to being a TVI. And some people choose to pursue that and others don't. We call somebody who has both being dually certified. Mm -hmm. And really, they're a real great commodity, somebody who has both. But oftentimes, people will hear about the field of orientation and mobility and think, well, that sounds like a cool job. I can teach people how to be independent and I get to be outside and I get to work one-on-one with people. And some people just go to school just for orientation and mobility. So there are people who do one or the other or both. Hmm. I hadn't thought about that. I thought if you were a teacher of the visually impaired, orientation and mobility just came along. But hmm, tells you what I didn't know. They're very different disciplines. Though we are working with the same students, mm-hmm. it's very different. TVI is really very focused on the educational environment. And orientation mobility gets to focus a lot more on the whole child, the whole person, and getting them out and active and independent because we can teach them what they need to know to be in an educational environment and be successful. But if they can't be successful and be independent once they leave the school grounds, then we've really missed the mark. Yes, I got that lecture earlier this year from my daughter's orientation mobility specialist who works for Kim. And she basically told me, she goes, well, so you are your daughter's cane. I was like, what, me? No, of course not. No, I'm not. She's like, oh, yes, you are. (laughs) So I was like, and I was, am. So I'm learning how to do better. My daughter's doing great. I'm on a 12 week recovery process, <laughs> how to not be your daughter's king. Right. <laughs> so anyway. And so, that's why what we do is work with the parents too, because yeah. a lot of what we do is teaching parents yes. how they can help their child achieve more. You know, we tend to do more than we should for our children. Just as parents of typical children, we get in the habit of doing too much for our kids when they could be doing more for themselves. And so sometimes it takes an outsider's perspective to come in and see, you know, hey, your kid could potentially really be doing this for themselves. Yes. We call that the magic fairy syndrome in the VI world. The magic fairy just peels bananas and cuts apples. And some kids, you know, are 16 years old and never have known that a banana had a peel. So, well, you know, you're right, because uh, this is probably not good to even admit, because when your child does have a visual impairment and can't see so great, like my child does, and then, you know, you've got other kids in the house, like I do, you just start to do stuff without realizing 
because it's going to take them a little bit longer or it's just easier and you've got to get all these people out the door, which none of this is correct or right. So I get the whole magic fairy thing, Mm -hmm. but I've also used it to my advantage in this part. I probably should not admit to be like, okay, well, like if I had the wrong kind of orange juice or whatever, this is terrible. I should totally not admit this, but anyway, it's the wrong kind of orange juice. And I know that she won't like, okay, she really won't see the label. So it's good. She'll drink it. (laughs) That's terrible. So I've also used it for and against me. She won't know because she can't see the label that good, but actually she ends up figuring it out, but whatever. Okay. Well, everything takes longer to do when you're visually impaired. And, you know, as parents, sometimes we can become impatient and just think it's easier to do things for our children when, you know, in fact, we just need to make some adjustments to the schedule and expect that these things are going to take longer, like, you know, getting dressed, picking out your clothes, getting your backpack ready for school, even packing your lunch. Mm -hmm. A lot of times kids are capable of more than we give them credit for, which is where the TBI comes in. Right. So I'm owner and director of Equal Eyes Vision Services. I was going to ask about that next, but yes. So tell us, how did that happen? Well, it really happened in response to me being professionally ready to take the next step of owning my own contracting company. And personally, there were some needs in my family that required me to step up and do more as a financial contributor. So... I have worked for public schools as a direct employee for years. I've worked for the Rehabilitation Center for the Blind as a mobility specialist working with adults, which was a very rewarding job. Yeah, I bet. And I worked as a private contractor. So I did some of that on my own and some with another contracting company. And, you know, I enjoyed the autonomy of being my own boss and really just working kind of my own schedule. Mm -hmm. Being a contractor is great for somebody who wants to work part time. So I did that. And then our family decided that I really needed to start this company that we talked about for years and it had just been on the back burner. And so it was really just the right time. Mm -hmm. And so in July of 2012 is when Equal Eyes Vision Services was born. And it really is my third baby. I mean, I have invested so much into this company and growing it into what it is today. And so we're almost four years old and it's been just a really great journey. We started off the first year, it was just myself and one other team member Mm. providing services. And now we have 19 team members all across the state and lots of clients. And it's just good. It's fun. It's constantly growing. And it doesn't feel like work to me because I love what I do. But also, you know, I'm the director of the company, but I serve kids. That's That's my favorite part. I love serving the kids. So... You know, whenever I've been pushing papers around my desk too much, I just <laughs> yeah. know that I need to go see a student. Most often, your child. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She is my joy. Yeah. And it just brings me back to the reason I do it all. And probably that's even another whole other podcast, Kim. We should probably do another one on women-owned businesses, but yet still practicing. Because I don't know what your perspective is. But I think if I was to get away from practicing as a speech therapist or therapist, I feel like I would really be losing something. Mm-hmm. And it's easy for the business to take over that side of the house of the business, the admin side of the right. house to take over, which you can't forget about it. It's incredibly important. But if we get away from treating kids, you sort of start to lose touch. Or I Absolutely. Do. I say yeah. all of my team members have to, you know, if they're dually certified and they say that they prefer TVI over mobility, I say, no, you have to keep doing because it changes so much. The field is changing rapidly and you have to stay relevant. Mm-hmm. And so myself and my assistant director to stay relevant in the field, we just have to maintain student time. And that's with Braille students and with low vision students because Mm. they're very different in what they need. And also with students who are multiply impaired. So just the technology is always changing. Techniques are changing and developing just like in any other profession. So would you recommend if somebody decided just to do the orientation mobility that they also become TVI certified too? It's really dependent upon the person. 
But a lot of men are very attracted to orientation and mobility. They mm-hmm. think, oh, this is an outdoorsy thing. I love to be outdoors and I love to help people. So right. some people go into just that. But honestly, it's hard to maintain a full caseload or a full-time job just as mobility. So there are some other areas that fall under VI that are rising in popularity, such as visually impaired specific assistive technology. So there are a lot of people out there who benefit from technology. I mean, most common are iOS devices, Mm. like an iPhone or an iPad, and they need Mm. training in how to use them because those devices come with all of the accessibility features that a visually impaired or blind user needs. So it's really the most relevant, easy access, cost-efficient, cost-effective technology today. So we need to be able to train clients and adults how to use these tools. So some people may want to combine orientation and mobility with assistive technology. Mm. Or another area, the last area, is vision rehab therapist. And those are people who work with adults to help them develop skills for independence. That may be in a rehabilitation setting. It may be in the client's home. So we are giving people back the gift of independence. You know, for instance, somebody who has lost vision And, you know, just wants to be able to change the thermostat or be able to be safe in the kitchen or to be able to go get their mail or be able to read their mail independently without having somebody else read, you know, what they consider private to them. Mm -hmm. So a vision rehab therapist goes into the home and assesses needs that are vision specific that can be addressed with adaptive equipment or techniques. And that's really more specific than what an occupational therapist would do because occupational therapists would work on activities of daily living, but this is more specific just to vision. There is overlap. And often, you know, it's best for us to collaborate with the other service providers because they see things that we don't see and we're seeing things from a vision perspective or, Mm -hmm. you know, a visually impaired perspective. So collaboration is the magic. Yes. For all of our little people and all of our things that we do. So for Equalize then, what types of services do you provide? Well, for the most part, we're providing TVI services and orientation and mobility services in school environments. Most of our team members are itinerant. They travel from school to school. They may have one student at one school. They may have what we call resource schools where there is a VI program that has more visually impaired students. And one TVI can go there and perhaps serve all day long. But that's more common in the bigger cities that have a bigger VI population. So there's VI kids spread all around. And sometimes they're unidentified because there's not a VI specialist there to serve them. So they may be just not identified. And they're out there. We know they're out there because as soon as a VI teacher gets into a county, we see them. And then people come to us and say, oh, I have a student who needs you. So mm-hmm. that's what we do. We predominantly are serving students in schools. So then why don't you break this down for us, Kim? Why don't you describe to us exactly what TVI does or tell us what a TVI person does? So a teacher of the visually impaired is focusing on the expanded core curriculum. That's our curriculum. Just like an academic teacher has their curriculum that they follow, the expanded core curriculum or the ECC is composed of different areas like Mm -hmm. compensatory skills, which give a child access to the educational content. That might be through concept development of us explaining, you know, concepts that are incidentally learned by a sighted child, but that have to really be intentionally taught to the blind child. And I'll come back to an example of that later. But we're also producing Braille and tactile materials. We're producing large print materials giving students access to technology that enlarges their educational content Mm. and teaching the use of audio materials. So basically how the educational content gets to the child is one of our main focuses. The TVI is also 
constantly aware of orientation and mobility needs and addressing safety concerns within the school environment. Another thing that's really important is social skills. You know, our kids aren't seeing the social nuances of friendships and relationships and the kids around them. So we're teaching appropriate social skills. We love to work on independent living skills of teaching students how to be independent. So most of the time in a school environment, you know, those are educationally relevant, but there are so many independent living skills that need to be addressed with kids who have, you know, severely impaired vision or who are totally blind. We're teaching kids how to use their senses more efficiently, their their vision that they do have, their hearing and listening skills, their sense of touch and, you know, their sense of taste and their body awareness. We're just teaching them how to be more aware of the senses that they do have. Assistive technology is a huge component of the ECC, just getting kids hooked up with appropriate technologies that are going to support their educational needs and their communication needs. We work on recreational and leisure skills, which, you know, is often not a priority in the school environment, but it's really important to quality of life. And so we want these kids to be you know, socially as normal as possible and have interests and have activities outside of education. So that's something that the TVI is working on with the child and with the family. And then as the kids get older, we're working on career education and just what career options are out there and life readiness. So additionally, we're always working on what we call self-determination of the kids making decisions for themselves and problem solving and self-advocacy. So these are the areas of the ECC that the TVI is really responsible for. So every year when we sit down to readdress the IEP, we're looking at these areas and thinking, what are the priorities for this upcoming year? There's always needs yeah. in all of these areas, <laughs> yeah. but you can't fit them all into you know, a school day or into VI services because the kids have other educational expectations. Yeah, but so many of these we just take for granted. You know, for somebody who's sighted, you just take for granted the social interaction and the fact that a child who's visually impaired can see somebody from 20 to 30 feet away who they may not be able to. So they're not waving to their friends or right. going to sit at a lunch table with their friends or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. And naturally, a lot of students with visual impairments don't have a large social network. Yeah. They may have one or two friends or none. Right. But then there are some who are very social people. And a lot of that is really dependent upon the parents' involvement and getting them engaged and treating them normally, right. you know, having expectations of them. We go in with high expectations of our students and, you know, give them the skills and the techniques to meet those expectations. Yeah. I mean, the world's not going to conform to them. So it's our job to teach them how to integrate into the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how to do that safely, easily. And I love the whole advocacy thing. Yes, that's very important Mm -hmm. because the TVI can't be there all the time. And the children need to learn how to express what their needs are when somebody's not there, communicate what their visual impairment is so that others around them can have an understanding of what their visual needs are. Mm -hmm. So what's an example of how you would teach somebody to use their senses, other senses besides vision? Well, some children don't attend to what they're hearing. And, you know, a visually impaired person can be a visual learner and also be an auditory learner. But oftentimes with some of our students, they're being helped so much by adults who are repeating what's already being said in the classroom. Ah. And so sometimes sometimes our VI students tend to tune out the auditory information around them, maybe because they're working so hard to do what they're already doing and waiting for that direct instruction that's very relevant to them. You know, perhaps they have a VI assistant or somebody who, you know, has more responsibility for them. And so some of our kids just tune out. And so it's teaching them to listen to what's going on around them and find out what the relevant information is 
and to follow suit with the rest of the class and not be dependent upon direct individualized instruction. Yeah. So in a nice way, you're just saying you're teaching them how to cut the fairy out. Cut the fairy out. Absolutely. <laughs> That's what you're doing. Yes. Because I got it. So yes, because the fairy is the one who's enabled and allowed them to mm-hmm. not be responsible and accountable and listen to what's right. happening so they can be responsible for their own stuff. Right. And a lot of times adults feel like, you know, they're doing their job if they're helping, but right. sometimes too much help can be disabling to the student. You know, we want to encourage them to be as independent as possible. So we encourage any assistance in the classroom to step back, to sit further away. And I've seen that with kids too. So kids are just helpers. That's just naturally they're inclined. And I've noticed that where sometimes if a child's mainstreamed into a classroom that certain kids will gravitate towards that child and maybe sometimes they're helping, but yet they may just be enabling. Yes, that happens. Mm -hmm. But one of the other things is we teach kids to listen, to learn. You know, sometimes students don't really know how to listen to learn. And so using their auditory senses to listen to perhaps audiobooks, if they're not, you know, a fluent print reader or a fluent Braille reader, they may use audiobooks, which are so more readily available now with digital technology where you can download a book. So right. learning to listen for information and listening at faster speeds. So that's often one of my goals with my students is increasing their listening speed. So that's that sensory efficiency and Mm -hmm. listening for comprehension. So this is your role mostly in the schools. Predominantly, yes. The TVI's role in the schools. Yes. Yes. And then, like you said, you work public schools, private schools, charter schools, Mm -hmm. some home. Yeah, we do some homebound students. Usually that's under a school system. So if the child has an IEP and has vision needs, usually if a child is on homebound services, there are other service providers who are working with them. They may be medically fragile. Cortical visual impairment is very common in the homebound students that we see. Mm-hmm. And that's really the connection to the brain. So the eye sending information to the brain, it just doesn't get interpreted appropriately. Right. And that can look very different for Mm -hmm. lots of different kids. My experience has been, you know a lot more about it than I do, but my experience has been when I see a child who has cortical visual impairment, that means very different things for different kids. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So it's not just a one. Right. And it can mean different things for the child, the person with CVI, cortical visual impairment throughout the day. You know, it's a condition that fluctuates. Really? Yes. At different times of the day, it can be dependent on medication. It can be dependent upon, you know, stress. It can be dependent upon auditory background noise that can affect vision because vision takes so much effort. If there's competing sensory information, the child may suddenly not not be seeing. Mm-hmm. Wow, I did not know it could fluctuate. Yes. New information. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should have known that, but I didn't. So usually at an IEP meeting, I explain the role of a TVI so that people are clear on why I'm there and what I'm doing. And it's not just helping the child see better, but it's all of these other components that relate to somebody who has impaired vision. So Kim, you're in like various schools. You've got lots of people working for you. They're spread out across the state. You're seeing kids. You know, you have to do the admin part of your company, all that. So what kind of keeps you going? Like, why do you mm. keep on keeping on with this <laughs> thing? <laughs> well, because it's a lot of work. It doesn't feel like work. It doesn't feel like work when you love what you do. And I just love transforming lives and offering solutions that other people may not see. So I feel like when I go into a situation, especially for a child who maybe hasn't received VI services before or maybe didn't have the greatest of VI services, I love seeing some needs that are obvious to me, but maybe nobody's noticed them before or knew that there was a solution. And then just being able to offer solutions that instantly transform the students' educational access, their independence. And there's some simple tools out there that really make such a huge difference. So I just love being able to give that gift of independence 
and little bits of success and independence make a huge difference to a child's self-esteem. And some of the little tools that I implement for visual access change a student's grade by a whole letter grade just by implementing something simple. I think one of my greatest joys in private practice, I mean, Equalize is a private practice, you know, Mm -hmm. is you're right in the trenches. You know, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where the real work is done. Not that it doesn't happen other places, but we go where the kids are. These kids aren't coming to us and all that. We get in our, I mean, you got a mobile office. Right. My car car. is my office. (laughs) And when I'm going in to see a student, I'm looking at them across their day. I'm looking at them in each of their classes, you know, their regular education class. I might go to PE with them and art and see, you know, where the needs are in each of those environments, even lunch and recess. I'm seeing a kid across their day. And so for really effective VI services, you know, you need to see the kid throughout and identify their areas of need. And it's a process and it takes time, but it's so worth doing because, you know, we can make a big difference. We change lives. And I think you observe and you assess first mm-hmm. before you jump right in right. and do. And I think that's huge to be successful because I was going to ask also about how to be successful when you're going, because you really have to change. I find myself as the guest in lots of different places because I'm not working in any one spot right. all day long every day. So I have to change and conform and mm-hmm. adapt. Yes, I might be in five schools a day. And, you know, early in the day, I might be with a student who has low vision, who's, you know, academically successful and doesn't need a whole lot from me. I might have a Braille student later who is, you know, an academic Braille student gifted in calculus and need to be producing Braille materials for that child. Mm -hmm. And then I may go see a student who's multiply impaired, nonverbal, nonambulatory, and is learning how to use his eyes for visual gaze and choice making. So, you know, I do wear a lot of hats and that's the fun of it too, is because it's never boring. No, no, it's never boring. It's always problem solving. Yes. So, you know, working with kids who have a disability of some sort, you know, I always say that whatever they're dealing with trumps whatever I've done in my life or whatever, because living your life daily with a disability is significantly harder than anything I got going on. Right. Ever. And so I feel like in private practice and what we do and then what also what you do is you have to really meet the child where they are. And mm-hmm. that requires assessing, like what you just said, and adapting and conforming, because really you do change mm-hmm. lives. You change the course of my daughter's life for sure. And I know a little bit of what you do with other kids, but for sure you change lives. Thank but you. it's just being there in that moment and doing what you know to do for that particular child. Yeah. And that's why I do it. It's mm-hmm. fun. I love it. And I love helping others. So that was the end of part one with Kim Hudson, who is the owner and founder of Equal Eyes. And as you just heard, she is a wealth of knowledge and information. So that's the end of part one. Stay tuned for part two. And I'll catch you next time on another episode of The Working Therapist. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Working Therapist, an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. If you would like more information regarding this podcast or would like to get in touch with us for any reason, visit us on the web at www.pediatricdt.com. That's pediatricdt.com. 